This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, everybody. I've got a little bit of housekeeping here before we get into the episode about Instagram and Theology Beer Camp. So I've been getting more active on Instagram, and I just want to let you guys know, in case you want to see me make some videos where I look directly into the camera, I'm sharing some stories and posts about basically all the topics that we cover on this show over at Instagram.com slash Dan Coke. That's C-O-K-E, and the link is in the show notes. Also, Theology Beer Camp is returning in 2024, October 17th through 19th. The theme is Return of the God Pods. That is a Lord of the Rings reference, which should surprise nobody. I will be there alongside Brian McLaren, Diana Butler-Bass, the New Evangelicals, Bible for Normal People, Tony and Josh from GGCH, of course, Trip Fuller and Homebrewed Christianity, and a whole grip of others. And you can use the promo code RETURNOFYHP, all one word, for $25 off your ticket. Prices go up starting June 1st. That link will be in the notes. I hope to see a bunch of you guys there in October. It was a serious highlight of last year for me. For you regular listeners of the show who are not members of the Patreon community, this is a little bit of like a teaser episode to give you a sense of one of these episodes that you might get to hear if you were to join the Patreon. But also, I think there's some interesting stuff just in this first section here that's on the main feed. So I wanted to include it here. And of course, this is being released on a Thursday, so it's not taking away a regular Monday episode for main feed listeners. So it's it's bonus in that sense. I think obviously a lot of us are interested in any legitimate answer to the question, why are people leaving the church? And Brandon's own research provides... Uh, kind of a cool lens, and a, and I would say a bit of a particular lens, given his online communities, um, which which he'll talk about shortly. So enjoy this, and if you hop over to patreon.com slash dancoke and, and join the Patreon, you'll be able to listen to the full conversation, uh, which clocks in at over an hour between the two of us. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Brandon Flannery, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, you wrote a really cool article for Baptist News Global that uh, really kind of details some individual research you did into why people are leaving Christianity. You had over a thousand respondents. We're going to get to all that. That's why you're here. <laughs> uh, first of all, thank you. Hi, welcome. Yeah, Thanks for having me, Dan. I'm glad to be here. It is kind of fun, and this is not to, to call you out or anything, but of all the places that people have recorded their interviews <laughs> or conversations with me, you are in a closet. Now, this is not a first 
closet experience because there's all kinds of closets. Sometimes they're actually really great little audio studios. Many people I know kind of outfit a closet. They soundproof it, whatever. But I am actually looking at you and a series of jackets that are yep. that your shoulder <laughs> is brushing up against. But as you mentioned, it sounds really good in there. And you have a kind of a loud house with roommates and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, there's this other thing in me too, where it's like, uh, one of my first like social media pieces that I was trying to like, get momentum around this book that I'm writing was called the closet chronicles where I would hide in the closet and like do these different things. And yeah, yeah I just think it's full circle. So here we are. <laughs> I, I love that multiple meanings. That's, that's great. <laughs> Uh, but actually, it does sound good. So thank you for thinking you. Yeah. Uh, first and foremost about the audio quality of this show. I appreciate that. Absolutely. So you you did this thing that it's pretty funny. About five years ago, before I started my program, maybe six, I did the same thing on Facebook and in a couple different groups. I got some responses for like, I think my question was, what are what is people's like number one or f- top two problems with the church or why they would leave or stumbling blocks, roadblocks? I can't remember exactly what I called it. And I couldn't find yeah. the, the document here when I was looking for it. Um, but you went on to social media and you you just wanted to ask people who have left or are leaving. Right. That's the people you asked. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So I positioned it. The six questions that I asked were. And I use general language because I did have some people that weren't Christian that filled it out. And that's why I like, I originally had 1200 respondents then cut it down to 1050 after kind of filtering through. But the three questions, sorry, six questions I asked were, what existential framework were you raised in? What existential framework do you find yourself in now? What initiated the change, the very first instant where things began to shift? What was the final reason you made the change? The straw that broke the camel's back. What does your current existential framework offer you that your previous one did not? And what does your current existential framework not offer you that your previous one did, i.e. missing? I love those questions. I love that you kind of got both sides of some of those issues, right? Like what is, what's the benefit here and what, what is not anymore? What box is not being checked for you anymore? And so we'll get to sort of discussing to some degree, all six of those questions, But what brought you to want to ask these questions anyway? Like why this topic and why these questions? Did you say, you know what? I need to hear what like a lot more people think. I want to see some data. I want to get a closer look. Yeah. So a couple things. I think number one is that I feel like obviously the the process of deconstructing one's faith and leaving and even deconverting. It's not something new, Um, like reading someone like James Baldwin, like, left Christianity, like, you know, way before this all like has really hit the fan on social media and stuff like that. And it was a good wake up call where I was chatting with a, um, who is Episcopalian minister. And he brought that up where it's just like, you know, this has been happening for a long time. Um, it's gained a lot of momentum lately. And I think it's internet and some other thoughts. And so, um, but for me, I feel like in the circles that I grew up in, which were very evangelical, I like drink deep of evangelicalism went to a mega church, worked uh, on staff there, went to Bible school, came back and was a youth pastor, was a part of a missions organization, parachurch organizations, like all that uh, very charismatic evangelicalism. A lot of the people that are I'm in contact with from that space started to process and critique their Christianity kind of all around the same time. And for me, I had started that process a little bit earlier, about four years, because of my sexuality. So Mm -hmm. I started to analyze what I believe 
because I was a gay, because I am a gay man. And I was like, I need to know what the Bible says about this. I know what Christians are saying about this, or at least the ones in my world, what are other Christians saying about this, all that stuff. And so it forced me to critique what I believed at the time and really put everything under a microscope. And then I was, start having these conversations with these friends that I kind of lost touch with, to be honest, for a while because of my questioning process and because of your wandering heart and eyes and your desire to live a sinful life. Right. Exactly. I'm a dirty little heathen (laughs) that just loves the boys. (laughs) Because your heart is deceitful above all things, Brandon. That's what you were. I'm not because I just have questions in the church and like, you know, have I just have Man, I'm like, <laughs> I'm framing myself right now because of the audience. I'm just like, I could be saying certain things, but I'm just going to go ahead and keep it maybe more PG, <laughs> PG-13. Whoa, we can, no, we're we're wide open here, man. You could say oh, anything cool. you want. Absolutely. Yeah, I swear. Great. Every yeah, episode. so like the yeah. worship pastor on staff that's, you know, having oral sex with their girlfriend. They're fine, but I'm, I'm not. <laughs> right. Yes. <So. laughs> yeah. Well, because you could always stumble and get back up, but. But being yeah. gay, that's like a category. That's a category error, not a behavior error. Right. Yeah. So we know how to deal with, you know, someone who backslides and comes back. But we don't know how to deal with someone who's fundamentally got a different category of desire or behavior or whatever. And, I, you know, I think there are probably some sort of basic psychological contributors to something like that. Like I I, I wouldn't put that in. I wouldn't put that entire phenomenon at the feet of the discriminatory parties there, although it is, of course, discriminatory and it is inconsistent. But my guess is that there's some evolutionary kind of tribal some, something going mm-hmm. on there that that makes it, you know, uh, a, someone in a fully different category is much easier to mm-hmm. outgroup than someone mm-hmm. who's like us, but that has made certain things, even if technically our theology and our shared belief structure ought to treat those the same like we we don't because anyway we, I, I won't go down that rabbit I, trail no, yet I, i'm currently reading uh <laughs> sapiens right now and so like it gets mm-hmm. into a lot of that stuff so i could nerd on that for hours well, so. yeah <laughs> i really purchased good. that book but i haven't read it yet so I, I don't have anything to say about his thought in general but yeah cool but anyway, so um, I, when we started to reconnect, a lot of them started asking me the question because I was the dirty heathen. So they're just like, right. you ask these questions. Can I get your thoughts on where you're at now? Yeah. And so it's actually one of the reasons why I started to write my book was just like, which is called Stumbling. You mentioned it, those words earlier. Because I was like, I, I thought of my friends who were just like trying to go through this process. I'm like, I'm just going to put my story out there. I don't necessarily have, I don't have all the answers, but I asked some questions I think some of my friends should also wrestle with. Right. Um, and so that was, um, I reconnected with a lot of them. They're deconstructing. And I noticed some themes. Um, and a lot of them started deconstructing in 2020. I had this hunch that I'm like, I think this is true for a lot of people that like 2020 was a big year. And so I just put it out there. Um, I put it on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. And so a lot of my uh, survey responses came from TikTok because the algorithm just pumped it out to people, which the data that's totally a critique of it of like who the algorithm was finding for this yeah it's but, it's not representative but it's like we can think of it it's a quality it's quantitative in that it's numbers but you can almost think of it like a qualitative study it's getting uh this particular slice of people let we describe them you know carefully but but that's still a real slice of people it's like online you know ex-evangelical whatever like that's that's a a group that you can sort of talk about and 
and then we can say some things about them. Now, they're like connected to your social media page, which will also have some sort of biasing effects, yeah. perhaps like perhaps sexuality wise, perhaps racially, you know, like when I got a, I got a huge snowball sample from my um, dissertation work and it started at my a lot of it started at my social media thing. It's like I'm mostly friends with white people, you know, so yep. it, there's like yep. a racial skew and, and you just you just got to be honest about it. And then you can talk about what you found. And one thing I do love about it is I, I do think, you know, Instagram and Facebook, obviously very limited to your followers unless things are resharing or you're paying for um, right. the software to push it out. But like the thing that was really interesting about TikTok is like a lot of people, they found me through these videos. Yes. Like I remember yeah. one video, which I think actually skewed the results a little bit. Um, and one, what it was uh, the sixth question of what do you miss? And so one person I was going through the results and I would just like do content online um, as I was going through this, because there's a lot of reading and I like was going a little crazy, but one person said they missed like uh, singing at VBS. And I just thought it was so funny because of, you know, you've got these like really deep, like missing moments of like, yeah. I miss the community. Yeah. I miss like the certainty. I like these really heavy things. And all of a sudden someone's like, I miss my singing and dancing from VBS. And I just like was yeah. giggling because it was like this levity for me. And I put it on, on TikTok and the algorithm so weird because I've like created some like more produced videos. This is literally me just pulling on my phone, talking yeah. about some of the results I'm seeing. And overnight, I went from 400 survey responses to 1,200. And so, wow. like, um, and that was just the algorithm finding people and giving it to them. And so number two for things that people miss is the arts. It was my category that I picked. And yeah. I think part of it is that they were primed because of that video. So Yeah, yeah maybe. I think that what people really miss is being able to confidently say that they are still a C- they are still a C-H. They are still a C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N. <laughs> and that they have C-H-R-I-S-T in their H-E-A-R-T. And therefore, they will L-I-V-E-E-T-E-R-N-A-L-L-Y. I mean, really, that unlike is what we're else. dealing with. No. <laughs> unlike everyone else, exactly. Unlike their heathen neighbors and all the Hindus everywhere. Okay, but seriously, tell me a little bit more about like this friend group. I think you're a few years younger than me and you know, I'm I'm turning okay, yeah, so 6 7 years I'm turning 40 in a couple months and for me it was more like 2016. So as the Trump mm -hmm. election was kind of what kicked things into gear for friends of mine that hadn't already kind of mm -hmm. gone down that path. And so I'm curious like 2020 is COVID, right? That's COVID lockdown. It's George Floyd as well and the kind of Black Lives Matter it wasn't when it was started but right sort of the the big Black Lives Matter year is that kind of what you're what you were kind of pinpointing in your you know pre-research mind around 2020 or what Yeah I think that what people some of those things we will have seen for a while so like people will talk about like bigger themes of loving thy neighbor and hypocrisy within the church and judgment and like all these things um like those things I think people have wrestled with Christianity for a very long time, but it, they were very specific. And a lot of my friends who um, like, you know, we went to New Life Church together, which is a mega church out of Colorado Springs. Like the evangelical Mecca is where I grew up. We literally used that tagline, which is kind of crazy. Like growing up, yeah. I was okay with saying, oh yeah, I'm from like evangelical Mecca, like as a good thing. And also the fact that I'm taking that word, I'm just like, yeah, yeah. Uh. that's, fu that's actually, that's funny. I, I've never used that word 
to, to like self-describe something I've been a part of. And so I haven't even actually thought about the appropriation, but that is, yeah. Mecca is yeah. another religion's holy place. Yeah. Oh gosh. Wow. Okay. I'm just, that's, that's tripping me up in a, in a funny way here, but you're right. Absolutely. And so I'm just like over here being like, yeah, Mecca, like, you know, as a kid, I loved it. Well, teenager, I was a good Christian and I loved it. And so, uh, uh, anyway, but um, that's like my world. And then when I left Colorado Springs at different times in my life, one was to do a large youth parachurch organization out of Texas. And then the other one was to be part of YWAM, so another evangelical, more charismatic space. So like very all similar spaces. And so all those people, because I'd moved back to the Springs, that's how we call it, who are from there. Yeah, that's the, the demographic that was a part of it. And a lot of yeah. them, like I had people on staff at New Life Church when I was working through this that filled out the survey as they're processing like, oh, I don't think that I identify quite like this anymore Um, or had recently left the church or whatever it may be. But all of them, and even the people who like, you know, they asked me, they reached out, they're like, hey, can I fill out your survey? I'm like, unless you can answer the question honestly that you now belong to a different evangelical, uh, sorry, a different existential framework, framework, then sure. But if you are still in the same framework, I don't want you to fill this out. Yeah, because that's not Um, what it's about, right? what i'm after yeah. yeah but so some people didn't fill it out they're really close to me and like but they were still having the same questions and it refined them a lot mm-hmm. so big things were is like why are why are there no churches that are willing to say yes black lives matter why are so many churches throwing a fit about having to wear a mask and they're viewing it as persecution yeah why are christians aligning themselves with this human that we would never see like is reflecting the character of christ So all those questions that were very politicized really brought this to a boiling point. And while some wrestled with some stuff and stayed, a lot wrestled with this stuff. And it was the final moment for them for leaving. And like the the data for sure, like I was surprised. We can get into the results a little bit. I was surprised by some stuff, specifically how prominent LGBTQ was, which gave me a lot of hope. But um, politics was number three um, for the final straw. For the final straw. Yeah. Well, let's... We'll save some of that for a minute. Uh, bef- before we take a little break, you, you, so, so there's two ways of framing this. Like we just framed it with kind of your expectations and, and your story of your circles and what kind of what you expected to find in the article you wrote, which of course we will link to that as well as link to your book in the show notes. The, you, you framed it with this like viral Matt Chandler sermon mm-hmm. where he was like, you know, deconstruction is sexy. Can you set that up? Cause that's kind of the alternate way of yeah. thinking, well, what might be some answers here? Uh, what are what are the reasons that someone like Matt Chandler, still firmly ensconced in evangelicalism, from from his perspective as kind of a mainstream evangelical, what uh, what is he thinking and, and folks like him thinking are the real reasons that people are leaving? So maybe just set that up for us a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I would say that Andy Stanley's Flavor of Christianity. Andy Stanley, <clears throat> not Matt Chandler. Sorry, I, I literally Sorry, no, get them. No, there's two. Sorry. Oh, there's no, both. No, no, I actually quoted both. It was Andy Stanley and Matt Chandler. Sorry. Honestly, in both my mind, I know there are differences. I think Andy Stanley is more highly regarded by people that I respect, but I couldn't really tell you any serious differences between the two of them. <laughs> um, I know Andy Stanley's well, talking about technology, right? He's a little more, he's talking about like phone usage. And so that's good. That sounds good to me. Sure. Okay. Uh, yeah, I have other thoughts, but um, so. <laughs> I'm I not a like, very good. I am not a very good <laughs> pundit of evangelical mainstreams. I, I am not the person to ask. Okay, 
there's a, there's a rabbit trail I can revisit later yeah. about that. Let, but, let, um, if we have time, but yeah. what, what, what are sort of guys like them, what are they saying the deconstruction I, trend I is about? Truly, yeah, no, I think they actually duly, truly believe that because I still have connections to the space. It's not as much. Um, there's moments where like we had before this call where I bump into vocabulary. I was like, oh, I forgot that word. That that feels fun because um, it was so part of my vernacular before. Yeah. And so, but I still am adjacent to it through relationships that I have. And the word deconstruction is being used in those spaces as, in my opinion, a marketing tool. Um, and what I, my judgment, I will own this, of uh, that flavor of Christianity, especially if you're coming from a larger church, is they're really good at marketing. Um, we look at like the most recent Hillsong documentary, like you, they, there's this idea, uh, that they're like, they're really good at Hillsong was really good at leveraging what was popular, what was good, who are the people you should align with to become popular because being popular will also gain you followers and becoming the cool thing. Like there's such a beautiful and horrible critique on that on even like sex appeal, like within your like worship pastors and like head pastors and all that stuff. Oh yeah. And I think that like, I think about the ministry that I came from, uh, I worked in, which was team mania ministries, like the Ron Luce, um, his degrees in marketing. And so I think that they are seeing deconstruction through their lens, which Mm. is, this is the hot topic that people are talking about. And I do think it is a quote unquote hot topic, but it's because of, and I would say, yeah, like these events. So they would say like, oh, well, people are joining deconstruction because it's becoming cool. And that's something that they're aware of because they actually even incorporate it into who they're hiring and what they're talking about and the trends that they're talking about. So they have that pulse on it. But I would say that the reason it's being talked about is couplefold, and that is one, because of the politics, but two, the ability to disseminate information nowadays is insane. I especially like with things like TikTok, like I've learned things about the world before it reached major news organizations as a result of TikTok. Like I learned about uh, what was happening in Iran, what was happening in Ukraine way before I read about it or watched about it in the news. And so the rapid consumption and not just like here's information, but like the collaboration especially again, like with TikTok, where I can take this video and grab different pieces of it, right. create a conversation, create a new uh, a new clip. And so uh, I think all of that is expediting this um, and getting people thinking about it. Because, uh, And I think about some more of the data that we can get into is just exposure to difference is a huge reason why people start yeah. questioning. And yeah. I think social media is a huge part of that. Yeah. You know, it's funny on the on the Chandler Stanley thing, uh, producer Josh of this show, Josh Gilbert, just alerted me to Josh Porter, who I recently had on the show, or I guess I don't know how recent now, late, late winter, early spring, something like that from the band Showbread. There is a new Showbread album out and the (laughs) the first track uh, is called I've Deconverted, Please Like and Subscribe. (laughs) <laughs> which honestly like he and I pretty strongly disagree ab- about uh, most of the sort of deconversion deconstruction phenomenon but I think that's really funny and and like you're saying it does actually point to some kind of reality where this mm-hmm. has risen uh to to have some kind of cachet it's certainly mm-hmm. it is a trend in some meaningful sense right you talk about the pew data from the 70s to today, you know, the share of the United States population identifying as Christian has gone down from 90 to 64 percent. 
you know, in and that sixty four percent is twenty twenty. So I'm super curious. Right. It's even lower now. What's happened sure. the last three years? Yeah, yeah. So there mm-hmm. is a real, there's an actual trend, of course, right? And so then people mm-hmm. can make content about that. But I just did think I've deconverted exclamation point. Please like and subscribe. Uh, <laughs> credit where it's due for that song title, even though we mostly disagree. great marketing. Okay, let's take a quick break and come back and let's talk about the results from your survey. If you'd like to hear the rest of this conversation, head over to patreon.com slash Dan Koch. You can also find links to Brandon's article and book mentioned in the show notes. Otherwise, the rest of you have permission to catch us on the next Main Feed episode. We'll see you Monday. Monday.